We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service, like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dork. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Niffin. Today, I've got Taylor along with me. Hey, one of us on this podcast is uh, Taylor, and one of us on this podcast is a former rock star. I just learned earlier. <laughs> oh, man. Slapping trips, that bass. <laughs> trips down memory lane, man. Good stuff. Um, Taylor, how are things? Things are going good, you know, just uh, hanging in there and... Enjoying the pretty spring weather and uh, ready for coronavirus to go away so we can kind of get back to a normal lifestyle with sports and thunder and everything else, you know? Definitely. So it seems like <laughs> in there, we though. are going to get teams back in practice facilities really soon. I think starting tomorrow for us, today for the people listening to this podcast, because you're probably listening on Friday. Right. Um, it seems, though, that, that Friday the 8th, the league is opening practice facilities back up, according to Woj and Shams, uh, not testing asymptomatic players, only testing players who appear that they could be sick, uh, four players at a time, I think, and they're allowed to have four assistant coaches or trainers, no yes. head coach. So they they're recently ki- They're that. kicking Billy Donovan out. <laughs> Sorry, Billy. Sucks um, for Billy, man. But I've only seen three teams so far, according to Mark Stein, um, who have actually... I think agreed to this and are going to open up facilities. It's Cleveland, um, Denver, and Portland, and I think OKC still has not officially given the all go. Yeah, and, I thought uh, Sacramento. I heard something about Sacramento, but okay. maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that that I honestly I haven't been. <laughs> I uh, I was working, and then I'll get into this. But but for this, there was a lot of prep into this uh, episode because there are so many great shooting guards, <laughs> and so I haven't really been on Twitter in a while. So that is very likely. The, the the last update I saw was from Mark Stein, who said that um, yeah, those three teams, Denver, Portland, and um, I just went blank. Uh, Cleveland were the three teams, and it was kind of a big thing 
because I guess I actually didn't know this, but Larry Nance Jr. has Crohn's disease. And uh-huh. so one of the, um, I don't know if you saw this, Jacob, but one of the um, medications that he takes actually kind of weakens your, or can potentially weaken your immune system. And so- Yeah, definitely. I it mean, was, it's an autoimmune disease. Yeah, right, right. So it, it was a big thing that he came out publicly, or at least to Mark, if, if that was who interviewed him, and said that he was willing to go in tomorrow uh, on Friday, uh, May 8th, and go into practice because, you know, obviously he's, he's one of the uh, amino oppressed and um, he's willing to go in and practice. And um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting as well. But Definitely. Be, speaking of interesting, I've said that word a lot. It'll, it'll be, I'm very curious to see the, the amount of teams who progressively start to open up facilities. Because like you said, not everybody's opening up at once. Um, I saw that the Lakers are talking to government officials trying to open up their facilities, um, amongst others. I, I think OKC probably is well on that path. There was a article, and I can't remember who it was now that interviewed, but somebody within the Thunder organization um, who is in charge of all, all of the protocols, basically, of, of getting everything ready. It was super interesting. I need to go and look it up on Twitter and uh, so I can prop- properly credit the article, but... Um, I, I would not, I, I'd expect that OKC would open up here within the next week, maybe. That's kind of what I think. I also wonder how many Thunder players are here. We know Chris is in LA. Right. I was thinking uh, is, that as well. Is Steven back in New Zealand? I don't know. I know. Right. I'm pretty the sure Gallo is probably not here. Italy. Gallo is Gallo, here, I think. Gallo is here in OKC because I listened to the Thunder's um, official quote unquote podcast that they yeah, do with yeah, Nick Gallo. Yeah, that's right. With, and, uh, with Gallo. Um, and, Gallo and Gallo. Sorry, with the, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, Paris, um, yep. and yeah, they interviewed Gallo, and him so and his girlfriend are here. I know Shay and Bays are still here. Yep. I'm not sure where Hami is. Hami keeps posting on Insta, That's and he's good, in a gym working out, but I don't know question. where. Well, and he's with his. He keeps tagging his brother. So yeah, I'm he's assume... working out with his brother. But I did see Hami with his brother at a blue game right before the season. Okay, interesting. That's right a good before point. we got the shutdown. So. I was about to say maybe he's back up home in uh, Queens, uh, New York, but maybe uh, not. Then. That'd, be, that'd was... be a bad place to be right now. <laughs> you good know, point. that's that's Fair. the that's the hot hot spot. spot. Yep, good point. So uh, I'm pretty sure Lou is still here. Uh, I don't think he he went international and went back home to Canada. Uh, so, so it'd be interesting to see how many people like show back up to this facility to work out and definitely and everything. So it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I don't think Schroeder went home to Germany, right? I think everyone's probably, I think most of them are probably here. I saw something fairly, um, positive today and I'm pretty sure I took a screenshot of it. Let's see if I can find it. Maybe not. Uh, okay. Yes. So, uh, this is from Nets daily who literally are just tweeting out any, just like any of us are, are tweeting out any relevant um, NBA news about the season starting. But Bucks owner Mark uh, Lassery just now on, on CNBC said that he expects all NBA teams should be back in practice facilities by the end of May. And if teams can get needed testing, the actual games could start by August. Now, obviously, August is a long time away, but that also would give the players and teams that full month of July uh, well, two months really to be able to kind of go through a training camp and, and get prepared um, with again that additional month, kind of a, a, like a cushion to kind of um, ease themselves back into it, make sure that everybody is able to stay healthy, get back into playing shape, and then maybe begin games in August. So we'll see. But I, I thought that was an interesting comment. And speaking of the Bucks, poor Giannis got the old Twitter hacked. He did. Holy what crap. a time, man. They went, they did not hold anything back. No, they, they unloaded the clip. Every offensive thing you could possibly tweet. They tweeted from his account. So, all right, well, Taylor, let's get into this week's episode. We've been breaking down the top five thunder players in history by position. We've done centers. We've done power forwards. God forbid we did small forwards, which was Ooh. bad. Um, but this week is a stark contrast to last week because we are doing shooting guards, and the list of shooting guards is nothing short of impressive. This, oh, I think, man. this is going to end up being the toughest week for us. One hundred percent. If if I could show you guys, actually, I might just go ahead and take a screenshot of the number of windows I have open right now in uh, <laughs> Google Google Chrome um, of all the Basketball Reference uh, players as well as my Google Doc. Or um, you're Google you're gonna Sheet. crash in the middle of the podcast because you have too many windows open. Literally. So it's, to it's tell our ridiculous. listeners, so basically what I did is I just go into Basketball Reference, I look at OKC Thunder roster, who is listed as a shooting guard, and I list those names for each season that the Thunder have been in OKC. 
um, now if they've played more more minutes at another position, like we talked about this last week. We didn't put Ferguson in with the small forwards, even though he's played one season of small forward, he's played two seasons of shooting guard, right? So here is a, the list that we originally had. Deontay Burton, Lou Dort, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Alex Abrinas, Terrence Ferguson, Corey Brewer, Andre Robertson, Anthony Morrow, Victor Oladipo, Randy Foy, Dion Waiters, Jeremy Lamb, Tabo Cephalosha, DeAndre Liggins, Kevin Martin, Daquan Cook, Royale Ivy, James Harden, Morris Peterson, Kyle Weaver, Mo Desmond P. Mason, and Damian Wilkins. Kyle Weaver is a fun one. That is a lot of freaking people. That's a ton of people. Yeah. So I'm, and we got we got to figure out the five best in Thunder history. So Taylor, already, just so, I, go ahead. I already think I messed up. Um. So, <laughs> so I I got off work around five thirty, right? And um, and, and you you put in the the back work of of going through and getting this full list of players. I did not do any of that. Um. You sent this to me, and I was very grateful for that. I'm thinking, oh, okay. You know, this will I I could probably spend an hour be very thorough on this feel great about my list and uh, I'll be good to go by 7:30 when Jacob and I record Thursday night. Uh, well, I got off work about 5:30 and 7:15 is when I finished this up and I'm still looking and I'm like, "Ooh, um, my 10th player that I should have ranked on here <laughs> um, probably ranks higher than my ninth per- person on this list." And you're going through that list right now. I didn't even look at Desmond Mason's stats. That's good. So <laughs> It's there was a lot it's of just, players. Yeah, and, uh, it, it's ugh. a lot of work. So I went in and I trimmed that list quite a bit before I even started looking up stats. Yep. And then after I look up stats, I have different categories that I rank these players on. We've talked about this every week, uh, but I added some categories this week. I felt it was necessary. Yep. So the categories that I ranked my players on Taylor stats, advanced stats, their culture slash locker room presence their impact on the franchise, the eye test, their defensive impact, their clutch play. So I have seven categories. Um, I trimmed my list down to nine, and then I ranked, after looking at, like, quick look at stats, I, I trimmed my list to nine, and I ranked those nine. So on stats, I have one through nine ranking. On advanced stats, I have one through nine. All the way through my seven, and then I averaged out the scores at the end. I got my scores I made that my top five, and then I went back and I re-ranked my top five, and I scored it again. Uh, and and coincidentally enough, that that whenever I just scored the five, it still matched my overall top five. So I'm good there. Um, but just a quick look behind the curtain. Can you kind of explain in like 30 seconds what your scoring process was like, Taylor? So mine's similar, um, and I, I end up for this one. I use the same categories that I had: counting sets defensive impact advanced stacks <laughs> advanced stats a uh, culture slash locker room impact as one category and then fan favorite ranking um, i took the average of those and then have my ranking uh, based off of that um, so you mentioned you had nine players you originally started with i had 10 and then i was like and eh, i don't think this 10th one is really going to uh going to compare i think it's okay to go ahead and take him off so I went through these nine, which took long enough. I had a little time left over. I think I finished like around, maybe around 7.15, and we were started recording at like 7.30. Um, and I started looking into this 10th player, and I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> this this 10th player could have uh, maybe cracked my top 10. And so I'm really glad we're doing a top five. I feel pretty solid about my top five, but if we were to have done top 10, I would have probably won it all like yesterday evening. And yeah. then the time yeah, no after crap, I got man. off work, you know, to go back and, and go through that. Um, because, again, you're going through that list and, like, somebody I uh, I left off was Desmond Mason. I, it would have been really interesting to go through his uh, season in OKC and, and compare that to the, some of these others. Even if he were ranked outside of that, Desmond Mason was still a really good player. Yeah. Um, still played really well in OKC. And I didn't even take him into consideration um, until you read that off just because I was – rushing i was picking up the you know kind of the highlights on this list um, yeah of players no, I for sure so. for sure there's so, some bias in this definitely <laughs> i think there will be um this was a really hard list to make very uh, there are players that didn't make my top five that i'm very surprised and kind of upset about um so so as our listeners kind of kind of listen to us unveil our lists 
Um, I think this is the week that Taylor and I are going to be off on a lot. Like as Fair. far as we're not, we're not going to match up and we would love to hear what you guys think of these lists. I tweeted tonight, Thursday night that we were doing this and I already have a lot of people kind of shooting me just like off the cuff, what their list would be. So we love seeing that and getting that debate. So please, please, please tweet at us. Uh, you can either tweet at me at Jacob Niffin. Taylor is at Taylor underscore P15. And then we'll, at the podcast right. at the underscore I'm say, we'll, we'll tweet this pod link out and um, be sure to reply under that, under that and kind of start a thread. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I'd love to see kind of what you guys think because some of you guys are probably going to shit all over us and hey, we're here for it, man. We are here for it. So Taylor, let's get this show on the road. Uh, do you want to start this week or you want me to start? Honestly, I'm a different. Yeah, you go ahead and start. Um, and then we'll, we'll flip back there. and forth. Yeah, if I go first good. on five, cool. you'll go first on four. Okay? We'll go back and forth that way. Perfect. So um, I will start off then. My number five best shooting guard in Thunder history is Andre Robertson. Interesting. We're already off. Good. Good. Uh, tell me, did Andre make your list? Oh, he certainly did. He's he's in your top five? <laughs> he definitely is, yes. Okay. All right, so I have Andre. So I'm going to kind of tell you what my rankings were after I got my top five and I went back and re-ranked where Andre ranks. Okay. Uh, Dre is fifth in stats. Uh, his stats, uh, even amongst the nine that I ranked, I think Dre was number eight or nine. Yeah. Uh, his stats were just not good. I had him at um, – uh, so I, I didn't re-rank my top five. Um, but I had him seven overall in counting stats. Yeah, so 4.6 points per game, four rebounds, and almost one assist. So he's averaging almost like five, four, and one. His effective field goal percentage is 53%, which is really good. Very, uh, yep. But but that's because all the shots come at the rim. He He's not shooting threes much at all. Almost a which steal a game is better and than about a... half a block a game. <laughs> and not to take us down a rabbit hole, but um, there is a player I have ranked actually as the uh, eighth best shooting guard in Thunder history of the nine that I ranked. And um, his name is Terrence Ferguson, who's currently on this OKC Thunder team. Dre's stats were much better than Ferg's, even though their um, their stats per game were fairly similar when you look at um, points per game, uh, assists per game, rebounds per game. When you look at that shooting efficiency and the attempts, and you take both of those into consideration, Dre's were quite a bit better. Uh, Dre's found ways to, you know, we've talked about this before, but to move off the ball, make himself effective and not have to be an outside threat. You know, he doesn't have to be that outside threat to be effective where Ferg kind of relied on that early on. And then he hasn't really been an outside threat since then. And so because of that, um, I think Dre's, like you said, his field goal efficiency is very high because he's learned how to use that to his advantage. He knows the shots he should take and he makes them when he does, even if it is kind of rare, like you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. Advanced stats, Dre also got fifth out of five for me. Um, he has the second lowest PER out of my top nine. Um, his offensive win shares, uh, surprisingly, is like fourth or fifth from the bottom. His defensive win shares are good. Yep. Uh, his VORP, he's just a, a, a 1.0 VORP, a 0. 0.5 uh, box plus minus. His defensive block box plus minus is second best. Uh his win shares are decent. They're about middle of the road. So, but, but in comparison to the other four guys that are on my top five, he's pretty low on advanced stats. I, I gave him second in the culture slash locker room category. I did too. Okay, so I yeah, I had Dre at five. Ranking that was kind and, of difficult yeah. because it's it's kind of hard to get a read on that one. Right. Uh, impact on the franchise out of my top five, he ranked fifth. I test on my top five, he ranked fifth. Defensive impact. So defensive impact for me is defensive stats, just plus my personal opinion. Yep. He got second out of the top five on defensive impact. Interesting. Uh, clutch, he got fifth out of five just because he, he doesn't really have those opportunities. He's not a clutch-style player. Uh, but Dre came in as a very solid number five on my top five list. Okay, okay. yeah. Um, I had him a little higher. Um, but a lot no, of that don't, don't tell us how high yeah, yet. Right, we'll find right. out. But, okay. All right. Give us your number five, Taylor. So my number five, and I'm not going to mess it up this week. I promise. I'm looking at my <laughs> ranking column and not the, uh, the order that I have the players listed names. My number five is a very similar player and none other than Tabo Cephalosha. Oh, okay. Okay. The original nice. Dre. 
Um, counting Tabo stats. did make my top five. Okay, okay, so we, we might be close here. Maybe um, we just flip-flopped the two. That's what Who I'm knows? wondering. That's interesting. So for counting stats, he being at top, again, I ranked them one through nine. Uh, these players one through nine did not do the one through five and, and recount or re um, adjust. I wonder if you and I have the same nine. It could be. I'm curious. Once we get done, we need to go through our nine. We'll do our full yeah. nine. Not like in depth, but just one through nine. And I'm curious yeah, we'll what our Yeah, we'll say who is. we had. I'm okay uh, with that. So Tabo ranked six in counting sets uh, for me. He ranked second overall in defensive impact, fourth overall in advanced stats. His advanced stats actually really impressed me. Dude, to the point whenever that I, got tied I was up. researching, I wanted to, t- to text you and tell you this, but I was like, no, we'll talk about it on the <laughs> pod. The advanced stats are really nice to Tabo Cephalosha. Like, mean, really nice. To the point that I looked... And I had two players ranked third and advanced, and I had to decide between the two. One of those was Tabo. Yeah, Tabo. Um, so I went uh, offensive wind shares. Out of my Crazy. nine, he was he's number two in offensive wind shares, yeah. just behind James yep. Harden. His, his he's PR number is one absurd. in defensive wind shares. His overall wind shares are absurd as well. Yes, um, his defensive box plus minus is good. He had a solid uh, his, his box plus minus is second best. His vorp is second best. Like the the. The his advanced stats are really nice to talk like about. And this is off the top of my head, but if you have the stats pulled up, um, and I can get there too, I have them in one of my multiple tabs, but <laughs> I think Tapa's true shooting percentage was like a 61.6% for his career, or for, for his, his quote-unquote career thunder. high with the, yeah, with the Thunder. I was just like, holy fuck. I'm looking it up right absurd. now. Uh, his true shooting percentage was 55%. Okay, sorry. So that Let might me look at his efficiency. effective field goal percentage. Yeah. Um, his effective field goal percentage in OKC was a 52%. Um, but yeah, Tabo was Might be getting those like, up, it was very still, surprising to it, me. His advanced stats jumped out at me. Absolutely. Um, there was a season where Tabo shot 44% from three. I saw and that. the next season he shot 42% from three. And I remember like thinking back on Tabo, like you never know if it kind of like, okay, he can hit that shot, but we aren't really sure if it's going to go in. He's not reliable. But looking at those numbers, I would die to have that kind of Tabo Cephalosha on like that 2016 team or yeah. um, the two teams with Russ and, and PG, uh, you know, like the, the past two seasons. Like, Oh, God, no one would ever score on that team. Ever. And, and then you have Tabo and PG both have threats from outside. That would have been a blast. And so oh, yeah. uh, oh, just yeah. looking at those stats just really kind of were almost eye-opening to me because I always kind of viewed Tabo, like I said, uh, to start this off as a – "Quote unquote first Andre Robertson. That's not the case. Um, he was a little more versatile than that on the offensive end, at least. And um, so yeah, um, that that's going into his stats. Uh, culture room, locker room impact. I have him at four because he was fairly vocal, but he was very comfortable. You know, taking the back seat to Russ and KD. He didn't need the spotlight, but he had a strong enough opinion in the locker room. I think that he was able to to communicate with others. Great with the media. Um, so I put him at four overall, which might be a little high, but um, I like that." Also, fan favorite ranking, I had him at six uh, amongst the nine that I ranked. Overall, he averaged a 4.4, which put him at five overall on my list. Nice, nice. Um, I have no no issue with that. I think that's fair enough. Yep. So, all right. Well, Taylor, before we go on to our number four on our list, uh, let's take a quick moment to tell our listeners um, where they can go play some bets at. Well... They should go and place their bets on Bet Online. There's plenty of things to bet on, especially when you take into consideration that um, the NFL is releasing their schedule uh, actually tonight. So if you put money on that, then you're in luck. Uh, with currently no NBA, NHL, NHL, or MLB, you're probably thinking there's nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong. Like I mentioned, plenty of things to bet on, including the NFL schedule. But our exclusive, exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Are you missing the NFL? No problem. Not only, like I mentioned, you have the schedule release, but Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. All right, Taylor, we are on to number four, and number you get to four. go first this time. Ooh, man, okay. 
So, so who is your fourth best shooting guard in Thunder history? My fourth best shooting guard is a guy that you mentioned at number five, and Andre Robertson. Oh, okay, we're still off. I like it. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I had Dre. Um, wait, nope, nope, no, no, no. Nope. Sorry, redo. God, I'm trying. Dang to, it, Taylor. <laughs> trying to highlight my uh, my my rows here. Victor Oladipo is actually my fourth overall uh, best shooting guard in Thunder. All right. Victor Oladipo was my number four. There we go. Okay. So we literally, I'm going to take a guess here and you don't, don't spoil it yet, but I'm going to guess that we swept, uh, we, we, um, you, you probably had Dre where I had, um, Tavo, um, and vice versa, but Victor is my fourth overall. I had him three on counting stats. His counting stats were very generous compared to some of these other players. But uh, fourth overall in defensive impact based off of stats and, and a little bit of eye test and just overall um, reputation, defensive reputation. Advanced stats, he actually ranked sixth, not nearly as well. And again, before you go, before you go on real quick, I just want to keep up with you. Yep. Uh, on it on regular stats, I had Vic at two. Okay, and which on is close. Ad, out of my nine. On advanced stats, I had him sixth as well. Okay. And then on defensive impact, I had him fourth out of nine. So we're almost spot on. You had him a yep. spot higher on counting stats. Um, the advanced stats, something that I was going to mention without just going into his actual, um, digging into the weeds of his actual advanced stats, is just the fact you have to take into consideration that the one it, Vic played with, played one season with OKC, and the team that he played on, um, <laughs> the guys around Victor Oladipo and Russ weren't necessarily. Kyle Singler Great. was getting regular rotation. Exactly. That's all you need to say. Exactly. Which but is why you, some other guys on this list probably have higher advanced stats. Yeah, um, when you look at Vic's stats, though, just his counting stats, yep. 16 points a game, uh, a little over four rebounds, almost three assists. 16, four, and three is really good. An effective field goal percentage of 51%. Um, That's Over a steal a game. He didn't block very many shots, but at 13.6 PER, like solid numbers for playing next to Russell Westbrook, who was just a one-man wrecking crew that that's, season. Exactly. That's what stood out to me was that he he really did put up solid stats playing alongside Russ. He just was really overshadowed that season. And again, like a, a, another rabbit hole, but um, it just always makes me wonder like how fun it would have been to have Vic on that team with KD and Russ. He would have taken it, it, it even more of a backseat for that matter. But yeah, n- nevertheless. Um, or if Vic, if they didn't. If they never traded Victor Oladipo, the jump that he made when he went True. to Indiana, was that same jump coming in Oklahoma City? Was that jump, did that happen that summer because of work ethic and what he learned in Oklahoma City and from Russell Westbrook? Motivation. Or did it happen yep. because he got away from Russell Westbrook? That will be a never-ending debate that there is no right answer to because we'll never know. But it's still fascinating. If he comes back to Oklahoma City that next year, he probably the takes same Victor lead. Oladipo that that Indiana got. That's a scary ass. And then the other side of with that, Demontis Sabonis on it. That's a scary ass. Very. Team. So it's exactly, Sabonis is taking a step, um, getting getting even more of a role. Billy's probably more willing to play him at center. But the other side of that too is that Russ, after that season, is more likely to take a back not not a uh, back a step down. He's doesn't want to have that MVP season all over again. We saw that when PG came in, which is obviously a very different story. I still think he would have uh, deferred a little more to Vic, uh, kind of like he did with PG. And so it, all that to say, um, you're right. There's so many hypotheticals there, but um, Victor's advanced stats were not great. And I think a lot of that is because of the, the team that he played on. Um, but for culture locker room impact, Victor played a, a really uh, solid role for that team because like I said, there was not a lot of veterans on that team and if they were they were either new or they were um i don't know they they didn't have a huge voice in that locker room and so it was basically russ and then under that you know victor kind of had to be that second guy Uh, he was always a positive one Uh, he always gave great interviews Uh, i mentioned that a lot on this category there was a lot of things that stood out to me about victor you know his teammates loved him he was he was the positive guy to russ's kind of uh, Russ against the world that season. And so I actually put him at three overall for culture locker room impact. because I think he did a great job. And like you said, if he would have stayed with OKC, he would have continued that. Uh, I had him four on culture locker okay. room. Do you remember the Vic dunk on Dwight Howard? I do. Which is just where he went up and like double clutched it, went around the rim. God then just, damn. What a dunk. Boom. What I mean, a dunk. And that's the thing. We, and uh, also the, uh, speaking of Victor, the, the highlights of, 
it was, I guess, the year before. Am I right? The 2016 season when Russ oh, when and he KD and, and KD and Russ went back and forth in that double overtime. So KD hits that three to tie it up with like maybe four or five seconds left, and then Vic comes down, does a step back three over it, Dre, over Dre, and uh, and then there's like. A little, like one a little less than left. two. Yeah, right. And then Russ takes a half court. A little, well, takes a dribble past half court, pulls up, and banks a shot in, and then Thunder went overtime. I saw that highlight yesterday on Twitter, or two days ago on Twitter, and it made me think of like just, man, there's so many hypotheticals. Like those three together would have been so fun. But um, <laughs> anyways, fan favorite ranking, I had him at five overall, and uh, therefore he ranked fourth overall on my list, even though I spoiled my third overall. Um, darn it. <laughs> It happens, man. Who's, happens. Your, who's your four, uh, Jacob? Who's my three? Your wait, you, no, I went first. Remember this time? You haven't. Oh yeah, yeah. Four. But my my four oh, was also Vic Victor. Well. Yeah, sorry. Good point. Yep. Good point. Uh, and in honor of Vic here, we'll play the audio of that dunk on Dwight. Awesome. Oladipo gonna streak and pack it. Where did he come from? He's like. Merlin, the magician with that thing, up high and down <laughs> hard, and the crowd buzzing as the awesome. Thunder bench still on its feet in amazement. You want to see somebody on a pogo stick? Watch this. Boom! I kind of miss Brian Davis. I miss Brian Davis like, so much. That's what do you why say? I He's like Merlin, the magician. I miss that so much. Good so stuff, good. man. Good stuff. Yeah, Vic was number four for me as well. Perfect. Um, which means we are on to number three, Taylor. Number three. Number three, I guess I, I'm going first on number three. Um, I think we're going to be off. You've got Tabo here, my don't number you? My number three is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we're way off. Way so off. So Shea, Gil- Shea Gilgis-Alexander, he is number one overall in statistics. Points per game, he is the highest points per game guy out of all nine. Rebounds per game, he is the highest of all nine. Assists per game, he is the highest of all nine. Effective field goal percentage, he's basically right in the middle. Steals, he is tied for the highest of all nine. And blocks per game, he is the highest of all nine. Shea's stats really jump off the page. It doesn't matter if you're looking at um, Andre Robertson, Victor Oladipo, Deion Waiters, Kevin Martin. doesn't matter. Shea's stats, hands down the best. For advanced stats, I have Shea um, at third overall. His advanced stats are nice. He's at a 17.8 PER. He's almost at 3.0 offensive win shares, uh, 2.6 defensive win shares. Uh, His VORP is a 2.0. His box plus minus a 1.6. The advanced stats are nice to Shea because of how good Shea is, right? Like, I think the advanced stats are nice to Tabo. I think Tabo's a good player. But I think those advanced stats are also a little inflated because he played next to Serge Ibaka, Russell Westbrook, Agreed. Kevin Durant. I agree with that. And, and, uh, and that'll boost Shays is also I mean, a little inflated because of Chris Paul and um, Danilo Gallinari and the, the guys that yeah, he's playing with yeah, as well. But, but Shays also the leading scorer on this team and the leading, leading minute exactly. getter on this team. You exactly. Know? So, I, had, so um, I won't get into too much but uh, for Shay, but I had Shay at two overall for my advanced stats. So okay. kind of close. Nice. Um so yeah, Shea, Shea's stats, his advanced stats, everything uh, is is awesome with Shea. Culture slash locker room, out of nine, I gave him number seven. Uh, and that's not to say that Shea is a bad culture guy or a bad locker room guy. It's that he's a 21-year-old kid who's been here less than one full season. right? And, and to me, that comes into play. Um, impact on the franchise, he's number three. He is a very easy number three because he is really the future of this team right now, right? He's he's kind of the building block moving forward for the Thunder. So he went very high on impact on the franchise. I test, he went number two. Uh, he just overall, just watching him play his style of play, how good he is at such a young age, uh, it's more impressive than Dre. It's more impressive than Vake. It's more impressive than Tabo. It's more impressive than really anybody. Uh, defensive impact, I gave him number three behind the two defensive stalwarts on this uh, yep. shooting guard list. Yep. Uh, I, I, you, you obviously can't put him ahead of Tabo or Dre. Agreed. Right after That's that, exactly SGA's where is the next. Exactly where I have uh, him. Clutch, I gave him number two because he has been incredible in the clutch this season. How the hell did he rank number three? <laughs> Do what? 
Oh, yeah, well, we... we'll we'll get there. Okay, okay, we'll get there. But so Shea Gilgis Alexander landed at number three on best shooting guards. Now, if we do this list in five years, Taylor, there's a chance that he's number one. If we a very easy chance that he's number one if he stays at shooting guard. Here's a take. Um, here's a take. If we do this list in five years, Shea won't be on it because he's going to be a point guard. We'll we'll be listening okay. to point guards. Okay, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Um, but I, I, again, like I think the with Shea, it, it just, <laughs> I love going down rabbit holes, Jacob. You know this. Um, but <laughs> I feel like you know with Shea, there's always going to be another primary ball handler with him. Um, I'm not sure where we're going to see Shea be just like a true point guard with the true sh- like a Paul George next to him and a at shooting guard and a or a small forward and like a Dre at shooting guard. Like I feel like there will always be another ball hander with him but yeah yeah I'm, I'm with you i'm actually so i've been watching again this is rabbit hole i've been watching espn uh mike schmitz do these yep. film breakdowns yep, with those. um with, with uh I'm, ah. i wanted to say candidates they're not candidates they're uh uh guys that are going to get drafted I, I can't think of the exact word i'm looking for here but guys that are going to get drafted this year and it really intrigues me to since Shea's like a one slash two, he can do both. He's he's long, he's lanky, he can handle the ball, he can play off ball. What if you just got another guy like that? And you played the two of them together. I've been thinking about that. And I have some. You know, last night too. I watched um, I watched thirty minutes of Mike Schmidt's uh, breaking down film with Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, and, and it's Tyrese kind of interesting. Gonna, I think he's going to go high, but that'd be so fun. Well, yeah, the Thunder would have to trade up to get him. Halliburton kind of reminds me of a Kevin Martin with handles. Yeah, no, they're built similarly. Built um, similarly, they have range. They kind of shoot the ball the same way, kind of that low right, load up. Right. Um, they're just both a little long more and lanky. A, they look yeah, alike. He's a little longer. Is kind of what I, what I think. Um, he's kind of similar to Shea in that sense, and they kind of rely on change of direction, not explosiveness. But um, Tyrese, he's a really interesting prospect. Has court vision. I think that'd be that'd be fun. I mean, neither one of them are really a one or a two. They're combos. Exactly. And, and so they could really play off of each other. You could. I mean, it'd be fascinating. It really would be. I agree. All right, so Taylor, who is number three on your list? Number three for me is uh, somebody you've already mentioned, and Andre Robertson. Um, I had him seventh in counting stats, which is is very similar to what you had him at, just because his counting stats are not great. Uh, But defensive impact, I had him at one overall. And I looked at his some of his defensive stats compared to some of these other players. They where almost all of them were first, and uh, I think there's one or two others that were second overall. But um, his defensive impact, just the his ability—I mean, he's the guy you throw on your best player um, every single time. Those two, you, the past whatever it was, three, four seasons prior to his injury, and um, because of that, I had to put him as at one overall. And the majority of the stats back that, which I can dive into, but um, just for time's sake. Uh, moving along, advanced stats, he actually ranked five overall. His his advanced stats weren't terrible, especially when you take into the uh, defensive uh, win shares, things of that nature. And also his true shooting perc- percentage wasn't terrible because like you said, Jacob, he's taking um, the, the probability of the shots that he's taking are, are very high. You know, he's not yeah. taking a bunch of three pointers. He's getting, he's cutting to the rim. Um, he's getting easy shots at the rim. And, Layups, and he, dunks, putbacks. Exactly. He's going to make the majority of those, even, even if it isn't on a, a high attempt rate. Um, culture locker room impact. I actually have him at two. Um, you know his his impact in the in the locker room. He's he's vocal. He's just that optimistic guy that you can go to for positivity. I think that's invaluable. I think Pressy views it the same exact way. He always has raved about Dre, especially when fan bases and even the media have questioned him uh, about their question Pressy about that uh, because of, of Dre's uh, limits, <laughs> particularly on the offensive end. Pressy's always been in his corner because of that. I, I and I think a lot of that is due to the culture locker room impact. So I have him two there, and fan favorite. I have him at four. Um, not because he's not liked. I think Dre's liked, but again, there's some frustrations with him on the offensive end, particularly, Definitely. and there have been his entire career. So fan favorite, I have him at four. And I think this one for us probably comes down, as I think probably our top three do, come down to a difference in categories um, and rankings based off of that. I, I think it's why we're seeing some differences here because when it comes to counting stats, advanced stats, defensive impact, we're pretty spot on. So Dre is yeah. my third. Nice. Maybe a little bit of a hot take here. You ready? Ready. The Russell Westbrook MVP season, and then the Russ PG Mello season, pre knee injury for Dre. Yep. 
I think he is was the best perimeter defender in the NBA. In the NBA, better than Paul George, better than Kawhi, um, better than any of those guys. But didn't get that recognition uh, because of how limited he was offensively. That people didn't see him as a full basketball player, like a a complementary basketball player on both sides of the floor. I think the small things he did, his cerebralness, his ability to really defend three, maybe four positions. I think for a year and a half, Dre was should have been first team all defense, should have been top three in defensive player of the year, and probably was the best perimeter defender. I think he was a more impactful defender than guys like Draymond Green. I agree with everything except Kawhi. I think Kawhi still might have maybe had the edge because, like during that time, you're thinking about like Spurs Kawhi, the Finals MVP Kawhi, uh, yeah. with the Spurs still. But I agree with everything else you said. I, I think you're spot on. Dre never got that recognition. I think um, he was slept on a also, lot. Also, well, right, he was overshadowed by all the players he played with, such as the Kevin Durant's, the Russell Westbrook's, the Paul George's, the Mellows. Um, so I don't know I'm, if you I'm remember you. this, but in that playoff series against Houston, oh, um, he locked Harden down. We were calling him the the Harden cheat code. Yeah, he not only locking Harden down, he was the best, the second best player on the team that year um, in the playoffs behind Russell Westbrook. Here, here are Dre's statistics in the playoffs that year. Five games, Thunder lost in five. This was the Russ MVP year. Uh, Dre scored 12 points a game on 52% shooting. He shot 41% from three. He made 1.4 to 3.4 three-point attempts a game. Um, three and a half blocks a game, Taylor. I know. That was three absurd. and a half blocks, two and a half steals, two rebounds, six assists, 12 points a game in and those then, five games against Houston. And then Hackadre happened. Yep. Yep. His, <laughs> uh, let me find his free throw percentage. Holy shit. <laughs> Not Four, great. 14% from, from the free throw line. Not great. 14%. <laughs> yeah. But but all those reasons you said, uh, we he, saw for he was, I think time. he was the second highest scorer behind Russ. I mean, he was an elite of, oh, goodness, that's so sad. Yeah, because <laughs> oh. I, I don't know if you remember, but people really soured on Vic on that Vic, playoff yes, series. Yes, definitely. But looking into his stats tonight, I mean, like, they weren't – they weren't fantastic in OKC. Uh, it was definitely a transition period for Vic, trying to adapt to playing alongside a ball-dominant star like Russ. Um, and then all of a sudden he gets shipped off again to – and we've seen him flourish again in, in Indiana, just like we saw him uh, can, uh, can, uh, begin to flourish in, in my uh, – goodness, the magic um, in Orlando. But um, all that to say that, yeah, that that's – a lot of those reasons you mentioned is why I had Dre at three. Um, he's just one of the most elite defenders in this day and age prior to his injury. And this is something we all, uh, all of us have shared on this podcast. But um, unfortunately, I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty positive we'll never see Dre at that level again, much less. I'm, I'm starting to get more and more concerned we'll never see him on an NBA basketball floor again, simply yeah. due to a, a terrible, unlucky injury. And he would be great on this team right now. Oh, man. Yeah. He would be so good on this yep. team right now. I mean, he'd be starting. You, could, you could really f with people and throw a lineup of three, the three point guards, Dre at the four and Gallo at the five. I mean, literally go full Warriors. Why not? Why the hell exactly. not? Right. All right, Taylor. Um, before we get to our top two, oh my goodness! I'm first. I want to blow the eardrums out of our listeners, <laughs> and then I want to tell them about how they can take care of another part of their body. Guys, are you looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. And here's a great deal. You can visit BlueChew.com, get your first order completely free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay the $5 shipping, and you're good to go. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free 
first shipment. Hey, maybe they uh, should use ShipStation to ship that out. There you oh, go, oh. man. We we can Boom. cut the check. Unfortunately, ShipStation is uh, no longer a sponsor. Yeah, so stop talking about them. They need to pay if they want us <laughs> exactly. to talk about Exactly, that's right. All right, Taylor, you're number two. Well, actually, you're going to, uh, you're going first for number two because I gave you my number three first. Oh, okay, okay. Well, my number – my bad. My number two then, best thunder shooting guard in history is Tabo Cephalosha. Interesting. So, in the back fifth. of my mind, I do think that longevity plays a role here. Tabo played six seasons, no KC. Right. Whereas guys like Shea and Vic uh, only played one. Obviously, Shea's got a lot more to go. But Tabo uh, ranked out number two for me, and it was very surprising. Very surprising. Tabo was fifth overall in, in just basic counting stats. I, I mean, they're not six, great numbers. Six so points. Six points, four rebounds, one and a half assists, 52% effective field goal percentage, 1.2 steals, and half a block a game. But like we talked about earlier, Taylor, the advanced stats are so kind to him. His advanced stats are just through the roof. He's, I literally put him at number two on advanced stats. Okay. Like, so I had they, him. He was one of my ones. I had three and three. Um, and I went ahead and put him at four. But now um, – Actually, the the advanced stats, the the shooting guard uh, that I had ranked at three for advanced stats was Kevin Martin, who ended up sixth on my list. And so I really wish I would have put Tabo at three on advance, um, because I, 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 the reason I put Kevin above him was because Kevin's um, shooting advanced stats were just through the roof, just absolutely oh, yeah. absurd. Yeah, absolutely it was stupid. absurd. Um, it was stupid. So, anyways, I, I had Tabo at four in my advanced stats, which is probably why he ranked lower. Yeah, uh, culture slash locker room. I had Tabo at two. Okay, um, I just thought he was he was incredibly impactful. Impact on the franchise. I also had him at two. Now let me explain that one. I do not believe the Oklahoma City Thunder have a finals appearance if Tabo Cephalosha is not on the team. I think one of the most pivotal points, if you had to like list the most pivotal points in the franchise's history. You're obviously looking at the Harden trade. You're looking at the Kevin Durant departure. You're looking at the Russell Westbrook trade. You're looking at the failed Tyson Chandler trade. Paul George trade. The Paul George trade. But I think if you look at on-the-court pivotal moments, Game 3 of the 2012 Western Conference Finals, Thunder are down 2-0 to the Spurs. The series comes back to Oklahoma City, and Scott Brooks elects to take Russell Westbrook off Tony Parker and, and move Tabo Cephalosha onto him. Interesting. And that changed the series. The Thunder go on and win the next four to make it to the NBA Finals. And I do not think that is possible without the tenacity and the versatility of Tabo Cephalosha defensively and how well he played offensively that playoffs. He was an integral piece to that team. And, you know, really he covered up for everything else on that team. Like he and Kendrick Perkins did all the dirty work on that end of the floor. And I, I, I think he's kind of unsung. Also, again, out of everyone on my list, he is the longest tenured Thunder player. True. I think that plays a role as well. Uh, I test Tabo ranked out at number three for me. Defensively and offensively, he was he was good. He was really good. Yep. Clutch. My, his, my clutch stat for him is very low. He just never had the opportunity to be clutch. <laughs> but I don't think he the more and more I looked at it, he was such an important player to this franchise. I mean, the trade they made to get him that that uh, yeah for, uh, uh, that, that trade deadline move to get him from Chicago and put him in the starting lineup, and just from the word go, he was he was solid. We always talk you know? about you know that that core group that made it to the finals, like oh the big trade was when they uh, the Thunder traded for Kendrick Perkins, you know, with the Celtics. I think you're exactly right. I think having Tabo on that that team was more uh, probably more important to them getting to the finals than having Perkins. Um, but with that being said, I, I kind of viewed Dre in a similar light. You know, I had him uh, culture culture locker room impact two overall because of his during his time with OKC. You know, he's he had the chance to be that voice where 
Tabo, I'm not sure ta- how much of a voice Tabo had. Shoot the effing ball! Yeah, right? Yeah, which was behind Russ and KD and Harden and so many others. Um, and uh, again, this all comes down to our, uh, what I'm seeing in this list is we're pretty spot on when it comes to stats. Um, counting stats, defensive impact, advanced stats, we're either spot on or one or two spots off. Um, but the rest of these, we we it, it comes out to a difference in, in in our categories. I said stats, uh, a difference in our categories that we have. And so because of that, I had uh, Tabo low at five, and I kind of sw- uh, switched and flip flopped with Dre at three for me. Very good. All right, who's your number two best shooting guard in Thunder history? So my number two is uh, if if you would have told me Jacob before we did this to pick one player out of this list. And again, taking even taking into consideration just their time in OKC, not their overall um, their overall career to the to date, but just their time in OKC. If you told me to pick one player and have have me uh, guess who would be my number one, I would have chosen this person. But they end up being my number two. Uh, my number one is James Harden. Or sorry, my my number two is James Harden. Um, I had him two. Wow. Yeah, had him two for counting sets. Had him six defensive impact. Had him uh, one overall in advance. His advanced stats are pretty incredible. Oh, dude. Especially compared can to we, his counting stats. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, dive Can into we him. talk about his advanced stats real quick? Absolutely absurd. It's dumb. He's got a PER of 17.2. That's what stood out to me. 17.2. True shooting percentage. He averaged at 60.5% percent true shooting percentage during his time in OKC, which is That's just wild. absolutely wild. Um, his offensive win shares... His best also, offensive win share yes. in in his OKC tenure, seven point five. Second place guy was Tabo at three point six. Exactly. Doubled him up. Exactly. Doubled him up. His overall win shares best of of his Thunder career nine point three. The is, second highest is Tabo at six point eight. Yep. His VORP of three point one is easily the number one amongst all shooting guards in Thunder history. His box plus minus of four point three is. Again, about double the second place guy. Uh, the advanced stats for him are wild. Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason you shouldn't put him one overall in advanced stats. That's exactly where I have him. But this is where he uh, he fell to two for me. Um, and again, this is a difference in you and I's um, um, categories that we have. But culture locker room impact, I threw him all the way down at eight because. Thunder fans are not very happy with Mr. Harden because, yes, there's the whole – first and foremost, we're tired of hearing about the Harden trade everywhere we turn. Uh, every single ringer podcast you turn on that's about the NBA, they mention the Harden trade because, you know, Bill Simmons. But um, <laughs> also just social media in general, all you hear about is the Harden trade with OKC and how, oh, that's Presti's biggest biggest mistake. And, yes, it is. Um, and then, you know, originally we heard that the reason that Presti did that was because uh, Harden wasn't – willing to um, take the contract that they offered. So there's all that, you know, between Harden and OKC fans. And then you hear more and more that Harden um, just really wanted to be a starter. And he should have been. I agree with that. Um, wasn't willing to take the six-man role. And then also there's <laughs> so digging more into the weeds. There's some rumors. None of this is confirmed. But, you know, um, Harden was a little more of a partier, more of a social butterfly compared to Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and maybe that didn't set so well with Presley. Again, that's all rumors. All that to say that I had him um, eighth in culture locker room impact because I think when you have a guy, especially a six-man, who feels that he's the maybe the first or second best player on the team, when even when he's the third best player on the team, uh, and he's young like that, he wants a starting role. It's great that he's closing. He's he's happy that he's closing, but he thinks he should be starting as well. And I think there might be more than more than we know, more than that than we'll than will ever be reported um, about maybe some of the tension there in that locker room of Harden wanting to be uh, right up there in the likes of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant during that time. So all that's to say, I have him eighth overall in that category. Fan favorite though, especially his time here, I have him at two, um, right behind my guy at number one. Because there was still some of that while he was here in OKC, especially his last year or two, season or two. Um, but, I mean, I have pictures of me with the foam the foam finger um, equivalent of the Harden beard that you put over your, your hat. And yep. it, it looped over your chin and you had the Harden beard. And, you know, me and my little brother rocked those for the playoffs. Uh, he was an icon. And we were super excited to have him. And even when we lost that that 2012 finals we thought that we were going to uh, make another finals run with Harden and he was a key part of that so I had him two overall fan favorite ranking 
Um, so he averaged out at my second highest shooting guard in OKC Thunder history. I'm sorry that was long-winded, but I felt like there was a an explanation that needed to be had there for me. No, for sure. Two and for sure. One. I had hard number one on I impact figured. on the franchise. Oh, wait. Um, okay. Okay. I mean, like you mentioned, the the biggest event, in the the history of this franchise right. came because of him. Right. Good point. He he impacted this franchise more than anybody else, uh, save maybe Kevin Durant. Right. Right. So, all right. Well, very good. So that means your number one is. Wait, did you give me your number two? Yeah, my number two is Tabo. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. I thought that. Was, okay. Gotcha. Uh, so my number one was Harden. Your yeah, number right. one is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Give me that. Give me that right recency bias. Recency bias. Give it to me. Um, counting stats, I have him at one. Shea, like you mentioned, Shea's counting stats are absolutely phenomenal. You dived into them earlier. I won't do it again. But man, they stood out. Even I mean, I it got to the point where I finally kind of got through these like whatever ten windows that I have up a basketball reference, and was just going between Shea and Harden, Shea and Harden, and Shea stood out. Um, in every single counting stat, almost. And uh, because of that, I had to give Shea the edge there in counting stats. Defensive impact, I had him at three. Um, I took in- into consideration things like uh, defensive win shares, um, some of his uh, percentages uh, in advanced stats, such as steal percentages, um, defensive rebounding percentages, which really put him over the top. Shea's defensive rebounding percentages, I need, need to look it up. Um, I have it right here, if it will load. Advanced stats, defensive rebound percentages, 16.4 defensive defensive rebounding percentage, which is quite a bit higher than some of these other players. Um, and then as well as his steals, um, just the things that he does defensively, his length and versatility, he's really learned to use that to his advantage this season. Because of that defensive impact, I had Shea at three. Advanced stats, I had him at two. Um, and a lot of that was due to true shooting percentages and player efficiency rating, like you mentioned. Also His PER is the best the amongst best, all of them. Exactly. And I took that into consideration here. Um, some of that might be a little inflated, like I mentioned earlier, due to some of the players he's playing with, uh, primarily guys like Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari. But had him two overall for advanced stats. Culture locker room impact, I have him. I don't, I, honestly, looking back on this, I'm not exa- exactly sure why I have him at one. But. Um, I went ahead and threw him at one here, and I think a lot of that is because like just the, the role that he's playing this season is so fun. Like he's the up and comer, um, but he doesn't, you know, he's able to be the man when it comes to being on the court. He's not afraid of that, but he um, he also doesn't have to be that guy and um he, he he loves deferring to chris paul especially off the floor he has such a great relationship with him because of that i have him one overall for culture locker room impact fan favorite ranking i have him at one just because everybody loves shay and he's kind of the future of the franchise have him one there and so overall um his average ranked out to be 1.6 and he is my first overall shooting guard for wow. okc although again nice. i mean maybe even next season if we do this again he may he may rank as a or we might not even rank him as a shooting guard he might rank as a uh, top five thunder point guard yeah. Um, something really interesting about Shea, uh, his season in, with the Clippers, he shot .476 from the field. So that's 47.6%. This season with the Thunder, he shot 47.3%. So it dipped .03 percentage points, or sorry, .3 percentage points, but he took almost double the field goal attempts. His effective field goal percentage essentially stayed the same. This guy has maintained efficiency while ramping up his uh, his quantity of shots. You know, a lot more touches, a lot more usage, but the efficiency stayed the same. You that's don't see huge. that very often. And I think that says a lot about his growth moving forward and his projection. Yeah, he's going to be a very efficient player, which is not typical of a Thunder point guard. Um, Russell Westbrook was very non-efficient, uh, but... I mean, it's just in life. You might be efficient at something, but then whenever your workload ramps up, that efficiency dips a little bit. For him, that didn't happen. And that, to me, is a very, very important thing to look at. If he can keep that efficiency while getting more usage, he's going to be incredible, man. Like, absolutely incredible. I think Shea has the possibility. I don't know if he'll ever be, like, an MVP in the league. But I think he can make some All NBA teams. Definitely. Like, and you know what? You, like this quarantine period, you know, there's where everybody's desperate for content. But um, 
I'll put it this way. It's been a long time since there's been a universally loved player for the OKC Thunder, and Shea has become that guy. Um, there yeah. are people um, all throughout, quote-unquote, NBA Twitter, and national analysts, fan accounts, etc., for other teams even, who rave about Shea, and we really haven't seen that since Kevin Durant. Um, again, I will live and die by Russell Westbrook, and we always defend him, but he's, he very much makes he's you polarizing. pick a side. Exactly, very polarizing. Shea, not so much. He just plays the game, quote-unquote, what you always hear this. I always heard this growing up as well. I'm sure you did, Jacob, but quote-unquote the right way. Um, you know, just like you mentioned, that efficiency, uh, those numbers just pop out to just about anybody, especially NBA analysts, and they rave about that. But I think the thing that makes me the most excited is just seeing it on the court. You mentioned eye test as one of your categories. Che passes the eye test. He's the guy that just shows that this the sky is kind of the limit for him in terms of ceiling. And when it comes to the floor, we might be looking at it, and that's not so bad. And so because oh, no. of all of that, you know, um, he's just he's extremely exciting, a really exciting prospect. I can't wait. Um, let's hope and pray that COVID nineteen goes away, so that we have a full season next season to see Shea grow and continue to flourish. Man, looking even deeper into his stats, okay, so I said his field goal percentage from his first year to his second year dipped by only 0.3 percentage points, although he went from 8.7 field goal attempts a game to 14.8. His three-point percentage dipped by about 1.5%, although he doubled his three-point attempts, Attempts, 1.7 to 3.5. His free throw attempts doubled from 2.4 to 5.0. The free throw percentage literally 0.1 percentage different. He went from an 80% free throw shooter to an 80.1% three point or free throw shooter. All of these shooting numbers, the percentages are the same, but the attempts have gone up almost double. That is incredibly, yep. incredibly impressive. Uh, his two point percentage climbed by almost one percentage point, although he's shooting four more two pointers a game, seven to 11.3. That's you just don't see that. A lot of players, their first year to their second year, you see those shot attempts go up, you see those points go up, you see those free throws go up, but their percentages dip a little bit. Shea went from 10.8 points a game to 19.3 points a game and kept the same efficiency. Crazy. Just just doesn't happen. That's just not a thing. Especially for a guard or a wing. It's just not a thing. Right. So it's to me, that's just, it's incredibly encouraging. I agree. So, all right, Taylor, before we get off of here, will you run back through your top five Thunder shooting guards of all time? Yes. So, top five, I had Tabo Cephalosha. Uh, or sorry, for number five. Number four, I had Victor Oladipo. Number three, I had Andre Robertson. Number two, James Harden. And number one, none other than Shea Gilgis Alexander. Nice. For me, I had number five, Andre Robertson. Number four, Victor Oladipo. Number three, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Number two, Tabo Cephalosha. And number one, James Harden. So, again, as you guys listen to this, uh, we would love for you to get on Twitter and let us know what you think of our list if you just want to crap on Taylor and I. (laughs) That's fine. We can handle it. But we'd love to hear what your top five shooting guards are. And then next week, Taylor and I will be back with you for the conclusion of this series where we will rank the top five Thunder point guards in franchise history. Wait, wait, wait. Really quick. Give me your nine. Remember? Oh, yeah, nine. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to let the outro music play that, anyways. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I just closed my Excel sheet too. It'll pull back up. Here we go. You so the nine players I had, one of them kind of doesn't count because he's actually he's going to fall in our point guard category next week. Uh, Derek Fisher. Okay. But my other nine, uh, Shea, Andre, Vic, Dion Waiters, Jeremy Lamb, Tabo Cephalosha, Kevin Martin, James Harden. Okay, so I had Shea, Terrence Ferguson, Andre Robertson, Vic, Dion, Jeremy, Tabo, Kevin Martin, James Harden. Okay, very good. So uh, uh, I didn't put Ferguson in there. I purged him pretty pretty early on. I knew I he sh- wouldn't make I my should've. cut. Dion didn't make the list, and it broke my freaking heart. But the stats and the especially the advanced stats were not kind to Dion Waiters. At all. <laughs> Yeah, so, get your weight up, Waiters Island. Unfortunate. Hey, if this is your first time checking out the Uncontested, we cannot tell you how much we appreciate you. We hope you enjoy these episodes. If you like this, make sure to go back and check out small forwards, power forwards, and center rankings that we've done over the past few weeks. Also, click that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast so you can get these episodes as they drop. Longtime listeners, y'all are some real ones. We appreciate you. 
If you haven't already, go drop a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you listen on. That would mean a lot to both Taylor and I. We will be back with you Sunday night slash Monday morning with a new episode. So be ready for that. And then next Wednesday, we've got the 2014 NBA Redraft. 2015 was a blast. If you haven't listened to that one with John Hamm, go check it out. You guys stay safe from the storms if you're in Oklahoma on Thursday night. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the nice, cool weather this weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Or go tell your mom Happy Mother's Day because you need to. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Be safe. Be healthy. We love you guys. And as always, thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.